Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's now time for Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. Now, here's Dr. Wayne Tuxin. Hi, and good evening, and welcome to another segment of Centered on Health with Baptist Health here on News Radio 840 WHAS. If you would like to be part of tonight's conversation, and I hope that you will, give us a call at 502-571-8484, and you'll have a chance to talk to our producer, Mr. Jim Fenn, who's running around like a plucked chicken there at the studio, and he'll make sure that you get on the air. And you'll be talking with Ms. Sasha Lopez. Ms. Lopez is the neuroscience coordinator with Baptist Health Neuroscience. She is a nurse who is a graduate of the Galen Nursing School, and then also it got her bachelor's degree at the Indiana Wesleyan in nursing as well as informatics at the Grand Canyon University, uh, also nursing. So, Ms. Lopez, welcome to Centered on Health with Baptist Health. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you, Wayne. I'm so excited to be on here tonight with you. How are you? Oh, you you have. I am really good. You know, I was out shopping today, had to get something. And I had a conversation with the, the person who was the salesperson, and wouldn't you know, she had had a type of a stroke. And, and so I, I'm, I'm sorry that she had a stroke, but I thought, how fortuitous. These things are more common than most of us realize, aren't they, these strokes? Very true. Um, it is a fifth leading cause of death in the United States, unfortunately, no matter how often we all try to prevent stroke, um, mm-hmm. we still are, it is still the fifth leading cause of death. Well, we're going to get to talk more about that in a minute, but I want you to tell me, how did you happen to get into nursing, and then how did you get into the neuroscience side of things? Well, I've always been a neuro nerd, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't lie to you there. Well, when I was, oh, goodness. I would say I have been CPR certified since I was probably 10 because my brother had a um, had Chiari malformation type 1. Uh-huh. So he had brain surgery at a very young age. Um, he was four. And from that point forward, my mother made me become CPR certified. So if he ever had a seizure or choked, um, I could respond as a sibling. <laughs> so wow. that's how my neuro passion started. That and probably is, pushed me into medicine. That is amazing. Uh, that at that young age, you were, you had enough sophistication to know what you needed to do to help take care of your brother. I guess mm-hmm. that's what make nurses. That's what make nurses special. Isn't it? You all tend to have a different attitude on things. Yeah, yeah. I look at things a little differently when uh, and when I'm looking at my neuro patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. What keeps you going in every day because of those neural patients, other than being a self-described neuro nerd, but what is it about this patient population that drives you? I love being able to see someone get better 
when they are treated appropriately. So if a patient comes in with an ischemic stroke and can get the life-saving clot-busting drug called it's a thrombolytic, and mm-hmm. some people may know it as TPA or TNK, I like seeing them get better. It's amazing to watch someone in an hour do a complete 180 turnaround, go from not being able to move one side of their body to um, being able to speak to their family again. Wow, that that is amazing. So I have, you know, I, I used the term stroke at the very beginning, but tell me if you would, define for me what this term really means uh, to say that someone has had a stroke. It's a disruption of blood flow in the arteries in the brain. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yes. Rather, rather that be with a clot or thrombus or mm-hmm. the vessel actually bursting. So you can have a hemorrhagic stroke or an ischemic stroke. Oh, okay. So tell me about a hemorrhagic stroke. What, what, what is that? That's when the blood vessel actually ruptures mm-hmm. and we have bleeding into the brain, whether it's from being a aneurysm, so that would be more of our aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhages, and the Mm -hmm. type of bleed is just based on the location in the brain. And then we also have intracranial hemorrhages that are more commonly from hypertension that's untreated. Mm -hmm. Boy. Um, And and do these things happen spontaneously, or is there something that leads up to them when they rupture? Usually people that are not treating their blood pressure. So people often think because they don't have any pain that they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting. Patients come in, they're not on any medications, and um, they've never been to the physician's office in years, and they say, but I'm so healthy. I don't know how this happened. But they weren't getting their regular checkups because the number one risk factor for um, stroke is hypertension, and they're not getting their blood pressure checked and all of their labs checked and seeing do they have high cholesterol, are they a diabetic that's untreated. Um, mm-hmm. All of those are risk factors that increase them having a stroke. So it, it is kind of compounding unless you have some kind of clotting disorder. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me then the different types of ischemic strokes that we can happen. We can have an embolic the- stroke. Where we have um, arrhythmias in the heart that are untreated. You may have heard um, lately there's been a lot of campaigns talking about AFib and making sure that you're treated, and that's atrial fibrillation, where the Mm -hmm. heart, the top of the heart quivers. And as it quivers, instead of pumping and we hear the lub dub, um, it starts to pull blood and it spins in the ventricle, and then the Mm -hmm. bottom of the heart pushes that clot. As that blood pools, it clots, and then it Mm. shoots it up to the brain, unfortunately, and that's how they typically get some of those types of strokes. Okay. All right. What what about narrowing of blood vessels, particularly in the neck, like the carotid artery? So many of us have heard about, you know, about these kinds of things. What what happens there? Oh, yes. The um, carotid stenosis, where we're Mm -hmm. not keeping up with our... Uh, lipids in the body and we eat a high fatty diet and unfortunately then the carotids start to narrow so then blood can't get to the brain and it's a different type of stroke but it's the same mechanism there's Mm -hmm. still a decreased flow of blood all the way up to the arteries inside the brain 
So when you talk about the atrial fibrillation, I'm going to assume it's the uh, left side of the heart that you're worried about then as far as where the clot is being formed. Is that right? Correct. Um, You know, so many people, we hear a lot about pulmonary embolisms and stuff, you know, with clots in the legs and everything travel. Do these ever get up there to the brain too, or those just tend to just go to the lungs? They can actually make it up to the brain. You're right. If we have a um, PFO in the heart, a very small hole in the heart, they can actually cross over and continue to pop up through the brain. So that's actually part of the stroke workup. When you're admitted to the hospital, that's one of the things that we're looking for. Um, so we do an echocardiogram or a transesophageal um, echo through the esophagus or on the outside of the heart, and we look for shunting of blood across that heart through the through a potential PFO. Some people are born with them, and they don't cause any harm, and then eventually sometimes they do. So you're going to have to remind this little old colon erectile surgeon, what does PSO stand for? Um, Peyton Forum Ovum. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not very good with uh, some of those Latin terms, but yeah. <laughs> we have all you just know it's, a, you know, it's an opening between the ventricles there, yeah. Nurse. I'm not a cardiac nurse. <laughs> Well, you know what? Yeah, I know. I, I understand. We get so used to using these terms. But I guess it's that basic heart. This is usually a congenital problem. Is that right? Usually, I'm sorry, I'm not what? Mistaken. This is usually a congenital problem, if I'm not mistaken, having that Correct. hole there. Usually you're yeah. born with it. And it usually doesn't cause any issues mm-hmm. unless they're very large and they maybe they're missed and they grow. Gotcha. Well, I, we, we, I want to take a short break right here if we can there, Sasha, and let everybody know you're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. Our guest today is Ms. Sasha Lopez. She is a nurse and she is the neuroscience coordinator at Baptist Health Neuroscience. And we're talking about knowing the warning signs of a stroke. If you'd like to be part of our discussion, give us a call at 502 571 8484. I'm Dr. Wayne Tuxton. Look forward to talking to you after the short break. Welcome back to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxon, and our guest tonight is Dr. is, is Ms. Sasha Lopez. And she is the coordinator for neuroscience at Baptist Health. And tonight we're talking about knowing the warning signs of a stroke. Sasha, when we uh, just broke off there, you were telling me a little bit about some of the workup on patients who come in. Because we were talking about those patients that had these openings between the ventricles. What, what do you do when a patient comes in and you suspect that they have a stroke? Take me through some of the testing that is done for those folks. Absolutely. Um, so the first thing, we got to make sure people call 911 if you think you're having a stroke, okay? they got to get faster treatment. So we're going to pretend here that we're in the emergency room because a stroke is an emergency. You do I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you for one minute. Why is it so yeah. important that if you even think that you're having a stroke that you call 911? Tell me about that. What, what, what? Sure. I want everyone to think B fast, okay? Mm-hmm. So B is in balance. E is in eyes, face for F, um, arms, speech, mm-hmm. and time. Oh. It's very important to know when you were last normal. If any of those are abnormal, 
you need to remember that time frame. So, if so you what's going to sudden, so, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so what about it? Tell me, what does each, why is each one of those things so important then in be fast? The first two letters are actually referring to the posterior aspect of the brain. Uh-huh. So we're thinking vision changes and sudden onset of dizziness and gait problems or ataxia is what we may be referring it to. So uh-huh. if you all of a sudden feel like you can't walk and you're drunk but you haven't been drinking, um, that's that's one of the first signs for posterior stroke circulation and, and nausea. Okay. Then the typical signs, your face, arms, and speech, those are going to be an anterior stroke. So that's why the acronym has changed over the years. FAST was just the anterior portion, and we've realized that we were missing the posterior aspect of the brain. Got you, got you, got you. Okay, I'm sorry. So then you said, okay, so we called the you know, 911, then what happens next? Yeah, yeah, I want you to call 911, <laughs> get okay. in the ambulance, get you there fast, because those are going to be trained professionals that are going to take you to the appropriate center, because not every hospital is a um, stroke center. So Baptist Health Floyd is, and when they come in, we call a code stroke overhead, and that actually brings forth the neurology team all the way to the bedside. So the patient is on the EMS stretcher, gets onto the CT scanner. So we call those the CAT scans, and that is the first thing that we're going to do when the patient's rolling in as for diagnostic treatments and imaging scans. Mm-hmm. Okay. So an interesting point you said, not everybody is a stroke center. So what is the difference between going to a hospital and going to a hospital that has a stroke center? There are different levels of stroke centers. Your Mm -hmm. rural areas out very far in the kind of like the middle of nowhere are going to be possibly acute stroke stroke ready centers or... Mm -hmm. Um, basically where they can fix you temporarily and then ship you to the next center. Large academic centers in the middle of metropolitan areas usually are comprehensive centers Mm -hmm. that can handle anything with the clot-busting drug all the way to very detailed surgeries. Um, There are new advancements in stroke now where we can go in and remove clots with a device called a retrieval or a stent retriever. So they would go in just like they do the heart, except they can go all the way up to the brain. Hmm. But you have to be certified in order to perform those procedures. Mm -hmm. So if you have a stroke center, Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that you have the specialized radiologist and you have specialized neurologists as well as perhaps even neurosurgeons on board. Is that correct? Not to mention the rehabilitation team to help take care of you after the fact. That's right. We have 24-7 radiology coverage um, along with the neurologist team that can care for acute stroke treatment. And then potentially if there is complications, um, neurosurgery could come in as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some of the other people that make up part of the stroke team that you have. It is a very large team. We have all the way from our EMS professionals to our nurses to our um, ER techs that help get glucose. Um, We do a POC, point-of-care glucose, the finger stick, to see how sweet Mm -hmm. they are when they come in because low blood sugar can mimic a stroke. Um, We have our radiology technicians 
that helps mm-hmm. put the patient on the scanner and scan the brain. Then the mm-hmm. radiologist is reading the film along with the nurse practitioner that is part of the neuro team or the neurologist, mm-hmm. myself. And then we also have, after the patient is admitted, a speech pathologist, an occupational therapist, a physical therapist, um, and then, if needed, even more added to the team, such as a cardiologist, depending on the patient's workup. But that's the wow. basic core team that's going to be involved. That's a lot of people on board. <laughs> yes, lots of faces, lots of um, <laughs> lots of different things. Sheesh, man. I didn't realize that it, it, well, they say it takes a village to raise a child. So clearly it takes a village in order to take care of a patient who's had one of these complex catastrophes occurring to them, sounds like. Hmm. Yeah, no two strokes are the same. You'll mm-hmm. notice mm-hmm. that some people have different deficits, and it's just because of the different locations. Some people okay. may only have weakness on one side. Others may have difficulty speaking and communicating. Now, when we first started talking, you said that strokes represent the number fifth leading cause of death, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Correct. So put that in perspective for me. Who's most likely to get a stroke? Is it a man or a woman? Is it anybody of any particular age group? Or can you tell me about the typical patient who may have a stroke? It doesn't discriminate anymore, especially after mm-hmm. COVID, I have to say. Um, really? But the risks, the patient populations that are going to be most at risk are those that have high, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. that are diabetics, sedentary lifestyle that leads to obesity. So if you are not up moving around and you're overweight, um, that's going to increase your risk as well. Smokers, that is a huge risk factor right there in itself. If you smoke, and I'm not just saying cigarettes, mm-hmm. please don't forget those vape um, pens. They're, there's like five different names for them these days. Nicotine. Uh-huh is the oh. common ingredient in the dip, the cigarette, and the vape. Um, they all contribute to that. It constricts those blood vessels and makes it harder for blood to get up to the heart, um, to the brain. Mm-hmm. 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 That, that one's very interesting. When you ask patients, do you smoke? Uh-huh. Oh, no, no, I stopped smoking years ago. I've been using this pen. And I'm like, well, we've really just changed methods here. It's still the nicotine is the bad thing for us. Correct. Gotcha, gotcha. So what about women? You know, we think about, uh, used to be with women who are on birth control pills would have trouble as far as developing clots. Does the, you know, do you see this in women, you know, postmenopausal women? Do they have an increased risk of having strokes or is it the same no matter what time for women? I've seen both, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen people on the hormone replacement, um, even the transgender population that is trying um, to suppress hormones and increase the opposite hormones. Um, we have actually seen people with strokes in that population as well. Wow. Um, young population that is sedentary, smokers, uncontrolled diabetics, and hypertension that are on blood um, birth control mm-hmm. also do have strokes. I've seen it in both spectrums, actually. This is something else. Man. So, and again, male, female, it doesn't really matter. What about ethnic groups? Any difference in that? There's been a 
a lot of studies over the last 10 years that um, more of the African-American population tends to have a higher risk of stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it can, it can affect anyone, yeah. regardless yeah. of your your race, age, or gender. So, you know, we, we got to ask, you brought it up a little bit, but we got to ask, so even with COVID, so are you seeing an increased number of people coming in with strokes uh, with COVID because of the, the way the virus attaches to the endothelial cells or no difference at all? I have seen a large increase in the younger population mm-hmm. that are post-COVID so that they have recovered from COVID mm-hmm. and then months later have come in with an unknown or cryptogenic stroke. So they're mm-hmm. coming in with a stroke, but we can't find a true cause of their stroke other than the fact that they had COVID recently. Wow. You know, Sasha, it sounds like COVID is going to be like herpes, the gift that keeps on giving to us, doesn't it? <laughs> it's scary. I've noticed a larger number of PEs and DVTs. So those uh-huh. patients that have the PFO and they don't know it, then they have their stroke. It's, it's scary, but... Um, but yeah, I've noticed a very large increase. Well, we're going to take another short break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to finish up our discussion about some of the signs and symptoms of having a stroke. We want to try to explore this a little bit more. I want to remind everybody, our guest today is Ms. Sasha Lopez. She is the neuroscience coordinator at Baptist Health Neuroscience. And tonight we're talking about knowing the warning signs of a stroke. You're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health. And if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call. 502-571-8484. You're listening to News Radio 840 WHAS. And I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxon. Talk to you after this short break. Welcome back to Centered on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. Tonight we're talking with Ms. Sasha Lopez about the knowing the warning signs of a stroke. If you would like to be part of our conversation, please give us a call at 502-571-8484. Also I'd like to remind you that next week we're going to have as our guest Ms. Jonna Bolt. And we're going to be talking about understanding and treating osteoporosis. And also, if you haven't already done so, I encourage you to download the iHeartRadio app. You'll be able to listen to not only this broadcast, but also previous broadcasts on the Center on Health with Baptist Health Library, as well as all the other wonderful programming that's on the iHeartMedia network. And you can listen to that at your own leisure. So, Sasha, if we can, let's, let's get back. Tell me a little bit about a transient ischemic attack and what, how does that fit into with the stroke spectrum? Um, some may refer to this as a mini stroke, but we've really tried to get away from that terminology. Mm-hmm. And that is when you present with the exact signs and symptoms of a stroke. However, they resolve completely, 100% resolution without any um, ischemia on imaging or any damage to the brain. Mm-hmm. So when a person is having a stroke, is there usually something that lets them know that 
something is going on. I know you talked about the be fast things, but before they start having the full-blown symptoms, is there something that the patient feels or their family members or someone around them may notice about the patient? I I have found that um, you will notice that patients have, uh, family members notice that their body, uh, just one side of their body is drooping, such as mm-hmm. the face or the eyelid or um, even the tongue. So if they're talking and their speech sounds slurred as if like they had been drinking, yeah. um, the family member may also notice that they're dragging their leg. Some patients actually will present with a seizure as well. Oh, it, it really? I mean, almost like they may have had an epilepsy or something like that? or mm-hmm. Even a, focal, a localized seizure can be some of the first signs. Does the patient sense something is going on oftentimes, or is it not until it's too far advanced before they really recognize anything's happening? I haven't had many people say they have like an aura yeah. um, like you would with a yeah. migraine. However, mm-hmm. the people that have migraines are higher risk for having ischemic strokes. Um, oh. But no, not not an aura. They usually feel funny. They may even have numbness or tingling mm-hmm. um, and unexplained. They don't. They can't explain why their arm is suddenly tingly or numb, almost like it's asleep is how people can describe it. Is it something that people tend to ignore early on, or is it? Oh, really absolutely. Uh-huh. My favorite one is I just took a nap. I figured I could sleep it off. That's my favorite comment when they come in. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't yeah. ignore it. Please come in. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, we talked about hypertension as being a big cause of having strokes, and you touched a little bit about diabetes. Uh, what's going on with these two, and what are some of the other things? In a, you, you, again, you went through the smoking thing very nicely. So tell me some of the other things that could be happening to people. We know that will cause us to have strokes. So you've got your high glucose, okay, when we're untreated with our diabetes. Mm-hmm. And then in conjunction with the hypertension, we're causing those vessels to be stretched and overworked for a long period of time, and then you start to add the cholesterol on top of that, and that's how we can get plaque that starts mm-hmm. to stick and then breaks off and causes those thrombuses or small embolic strokes. Gotcha. Wow, that, that, that is something. And, of course, you talked about the atrial fibrillation and everything. Um, is this something that is inherited? If, if my parents had had strokes, is it, does that increase my risk for developing also? It's familial, but not necessarily congenital. Um, now, let's say we have a vascular disorder. So mm-hmm. every person's brain anatomy, the structure of the vessels is a little different. So if your mom had some very unique structures, you might also have unique structures of the brain. So that's always interesting to see if people have a complete circle of Willis. Um, So that's just like the big vessel in the middle. It makes like a circle. Some people Mm -hmm. don't have a complete, others there. What about, um, do we need to go and get our carotid arteries checked on a regular basis or get any special, you know, Doppler studies or anything like that to see how they are? Pro 
prophylactically or yes, yes, after? Ma'am. Yes, yes, no, just prophylactically yeah. because you know, say, hey, I just you know I'm diabetic or I'm hypertensive. I just want to make sure everything is going fine. So do I need to get these things checked out on a, just a regular basis? Well, they um, your primary care provider should start with labs first. Mm-hmm. So if you have no high cholesterol or lipids or diabetes and your blood pressure seems to be stable, they also look at your thyroid and B12 and vitamin D and clotting um, factors when you're admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. If all of those are checking out okay, um, I wouldn't expect a PCP to order prophylactic carotid studies. Okay. If I am just concerned, because you talk about this being the fifth leading cause of death, so that's a fairly common problem. So I want to do things to prevent and decrease my risk of having a stroke. What are you telling me to do? Definitely your diet. Eat more healthy vegetables. Cut out smoking. Um, get get those checks. Go to your primary care provider regularly. Get your physical exam. Um, if it's warranted and your doctor feels that you need to have your carotids checked, absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to have anything done if you asked for it. Um, but I think a lot of people skip those regulatory uh, annual physical exams, and then one thing leads to another, mm-hmm. and they're unhealthy. Now, Sasha, this is, mm-hmm. you know, it's barbecue and time, and I want to have barbecue. You tell me that I can't go out there and have roasted whatever it is that's out there on the grill. I have to watch some of the foods that I'm taking in. Yeah, you might want to stay away from the hot dogs and maybe try the chicken because it's going to be less processed and less sodium. Mm. <laughs> More sodium is going to make that blood pressure go up. So you're not very popular this time of year? Or no, I'm year. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are, so then, so we should have diets with more vegetables and salads and fruits and things like that? Yeah, healthy heart diet. Um, you'll hear a lot of people say, like, no bread, um, nothing processed, more vegetables. Prophylactically, what about taking an aspirin or something like that? Any value there? So an aspirin is an antiplatelet, and it will prevent the platelets from sticking together. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanted to start taking an aspirin, that is the first line of treatment when you've had your first small vessel stroke. We do put patients on an antiplatelet when they go home in hopes to prevent a secondary stroke. So, yes, an aspirin would be beneficial. Or, every, I've never had a stroke. Never had a stroke? Never had a stroke. But I'm just sitting there thinking, boy, I don't want to have one. Any value in me taking an aspirin? What do you think? Do you want the scientific answer or do you want the theoretical answer after COVID? (laughs) Well, yeah, how about that? Yeah, because, you know, the jury's still out. You hear, used to be the taking an aspirin a day, you know, with the heart thing, but now it seems like we're getting away from that. Uh, So that's what I was kind of curious. Oh, no. I mean, it wouldn't hurt you to take the aspirin. Um, I do have some colleagues that actually have started taking aspirin post-COVID pandemic because they believe it's going to help prevent them from having a stroke. Um, 
there's no evidence out there that's going to say, hey, it's going to prevent me from having a stroke post-COVID. But um, a lot of people are doing that and more now because that's the first thing we do is treat with an antiplatelet. Gotcha. Remind everyone, we're, you're listening to Centered on Health with Baptist Health here on News Radio 840 WHAS. Our guest is Ms. Sasha Lopez, and we're talking about knowing the warning signs of a stroke. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about some of the treatments and go into all these things that are done and what's the order in which they're done. You're listening again to Centered on Health with Baptist Health. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxon. We'll be talking to you after this short break. Welcome back to Senate on Health with Baptist Health on News Radio 840 WHAS. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxon, and our guest tonight is Ms. Sasha Lopez, and we're talking about knowing the warning signs of a stroke. Sasha, we have Davis on the line, and he has a question about uh, an herbal medication and what value it may have. Uh, Davis, welcome to Senate on Health. You have Ms. Lopez's ear. Oh, great. Thanks. Um, the it's either called turmeric or turmeric. Yes. Is that um, so? Is it, would that be like a good, uh, as opposed to doing like aspirin? You know. Um, turmeric. Hi. Yeah. Sorry. You want to go first, Wayne? No. No. You go right ahead, man. All right. So. It is a herbal thing that you can buy. Um, some people even use it as a spice and eat, but it helps with new cell growth and preventing self-death. So mm-hmm. it may not prevent you from having a stroke, but um, it definitely can help with cell production. It's not going to be detrimental to you to take it. Okay. All right. All right, thanks. I know you're short on time, so appreciate it. Oh, thank you. no, and thank you very much, David. That was a very good question. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah, and, All right. It, yeah thanks. And, and, and the good thing about using turmeric is it is something that we cook with. So it goes back to your dietary things, which you were talking about earlier. Here's something that, you know, if we anyone's ever had curries, particularly this is a big ingredient in curry. So it's kind of a nice thing. So do you... So you ever have patients come in telling that they're taking turmeric or anything like that? Some. Uh, there's mm-hmm. not as very, there's not a lot of holistic doctors around here that use more herbal medicine, but uh, there there are some patients that do take it. Okay. So tell me now, okay, so we touched about aspirin as an anti platelet and helps keep blood clots from forming. Tell me about some of the other, you, you touched upon it in the, earlier in the show, but tell me about some of the other treatments for the person who has a stroke. What are you going to do for them? So let's say that they have AFib, okay? We've got that mm-hmm. issue with our heart and it's not beating correctly. So we're going to actually need to not only add that antiplatelet to keep the platelets from sticking, we're going to need to also add an anticoagulant. And that is a common misconception between the different drugs. So an antiplatelet keeps our platelets from sticking together, aspirin, plavix, berlinta, and then our anticoagulants, which is going to be like Coumadin or Warfarin, same drug, different name. Um, And now there's these new ones called Pradaxa. There's Xeralto. Those are factor 10 inhibitors, and they prevent those clots from forming. So those are other ways we can prevent stroke from happening. 
are, are these long-term, uh, the, you know, the Plavix and the anticoagulant medications, these long-term for patients? Yes, they, people do not, they do require, one of the drugs such as Coumadin does require uh, monthly checks to make sure mm -hmm. that your level is appropriate for prevention and that it's not too high or too low. Um, but yeah, it is a long-term treatment. Mm -hmm. So what about actually removing the clot if one is present? You talked a little bit about, you said you get, almost get up into the brain to remove some of these. How is that done? So remember at the very beginning I said time is such an, an importance. Every minute we lose 2 billion brain cells. So wow. if you present and have your symptoms within 24 hours, that's why I want you to get to that emergency room. If the clot is large and in one of our major arteries in the brain, we can go in and remove that clot. It's called a large vessel occlusion or an mm -hmm. elbow. Hmm. So those major clots can be removed. What's the time frame in which you can remove a clot before you may cause some inadvertent damage uh, by removing that clot? We treat out at Baptist Health across our system. We treat out to 24 hours. Uh -huh. So if you went to bed at 10 o'clock and that was your normal and you woke up at 6 a.m. and had these symptoms, you go to the emergency room and we will try to treat you. Hmm. But if it's um, but if it's 20, you come in at 28 hours after you've had your stroke, it's not recommended to remove the clot at that time? The increase the risk of bleeding increases drastically. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's a person who's just going to get the medical management then. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Now you mentioned, you said some patients, they turn right around for you. Is that pretty typical? If you're going to get success that they're going to have an immediate turnaround. And if not, how long does it take for these processes to work themselves out? So they, um, now we can have 80% of the patients that arrive are going to be ischemic strokes and the other 20% are going to be hemorrhagic strokes. Oh, Since okay. most people are going to have the clot, we're, we're talking about that ischemic population. Um, okay. if they come in within the time frame, so anywhere from 10 minutes ago to four hours, we can give them the clot busting drug and mm -hmm. that is pretty immediate. You give 10% of the drug over one minute, and then you give the remaining infusion over an hour. And that can be significantly impactful. Within 30 minutes, you can see patients turn around. Um, with the large vessel occlusions, and we have to go in and remove the clot, they try mm -hmm. to do that under um, anesthesia. They try not to use general, so the patients can wake up rather quickly and um, immediately assess the patient and see that they've had improvement. Oh, that, that is really amazing. Uh, I guess if a person has atrial fibrillation, they're probably going to need to be on medication long term. But if they've had a clot or something that has been removed, um, say, you know, you're going to remove one of these clots, um, do they need to be on anticoagulation medication long term also? It, it depends on what caused their clot. Um, so there, there are patients that have clotting disorders that may need long-term therapy, or there can be a patient. I've had a patient recently that had a thrombus in the carotid artery um, that needed actual heparin drip admission to the hospital. Um, 
medications to control the heart rate in addition to um, letting that clot dissolve. So, and there, it gets complicated when we start thinking of the etiology of the stroke and trying to figure out how to prevent the next one. That's, that's usually why they get an admission to the hospital. A lot of patients don't want to be. They want to go mm-hmm. home and see their doctor in the office. But we really got to figure out what's happening because they have a 50% chance of having that, another stroke in 30 days if we don't fix yeah. them. Gotcha. Well, Ms. Lopez, I want to thank you for being a guest with us tonight. You've given some really good information, and I hope some we can use. I tell you, I think the most important thing is your be fast and saying that time is of the essence because time means brain loss. And if anything we can do, if we can do something quickly for patients, it sounds like we can reverse some of the problems with these strokes. I'd like to remind her, thank everyone for being with us. Remember, next week we're going to have uh, Ms. John Abbott on talking about understanding and treating osteoporosis. Be sure and download the iHeartRadio app. This is Centered on Health with Baptist Health. On News Radio 840 WHS, I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Tuxton. Thank you very much for listening. And Davis, thank you very much for your call. We look forward to talking to everybody again next week. Please be careful and be fast. This program is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content of this program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The show is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.